Welcome to Culture Plan B. I'm David Jubb and this is the sixth and final episode of this series in which I will not be interviewing people who've chatted with Oliver Dowden about the future of culture and who are now first in line for a bailout. Instead, Culture Plan B will be meeting with artists and communities who create culture outside big cultural institutions, like most people do. And because it's the last episode of this series, we thought we'd do something a bit different. Don't panic, it's not a Best Bits compilation. We thought we'd interview an artistic director of a massive cultural institution. So today I'm absolutely delighted to be talking to Johnny Davenport, who is artistic director of the Old Courts in Wigan, more than one and a half acres of cultural centre bang in the middle of the town. Johnny, with Dave Jenkins and Becky Davenport, have restored the old courts after moving in in 2014. They've worked tirelessly to create an art centre that has been built, owned and is loved by the local community. For me, it is exactly the kind of venue which, fairly funded, could complement a properly funded sector of thousands and thousands of independent artists and communities. We have currently got the structure of arts funding so very wrong, and this has never been more highlighted than during the COVID crisis. As Sadadeen Syed explained in episode five, our systems and structure in the cultural sector, including the way we fund, belongs to another age, not our one. The question is, how do we make change? How do our funders move from an unequal and dysfunctional cultural sector to one that supports communities, is owned by communities and the artists they work with? Let's imagine what happens next year. When, in April 2021, the crown jewels are probably still unable to fully open without social distancing, and they come back, and they ask for more cash. It wouldn't be surprising, would it, if communities say, hang on a minute, didn't you get a multi-billion pound bailout? What have you got to show for that? When I think about the bailout for the crown jewels of the cultural sector that is to be overseen, yes, let's not forget, by the chair of the Royal National Theatre, I feel deeply despondent about the future of funded culture in the UK. But when I speak to Conrad Murray, Commonwealth Theatre, Anissa Moradadi, Company 3, Sadadeen Syed, and now Johnny from the Old Courts, I feel incredibly optimistic. Arts funders, please catch up before it's too late. I hope you enjoy this final episode of Culture Plan B and hearing from Johnny and all about the inspiring story and work of the old courts in Wigan. Don't I've got someone painting that painting the house. The landlord got the uh, decorators round, oh. so um, I've asked him to be quiet for the next hour. <laughs> he can do the cutting in now, can't he? For the next yeah, hour. yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because he was on the roof scraping the mould off the tiles, and that was like making a fucking uh, no, incredible. <laughs> <laughs> right, okie dokie. So, hello, Johnny. Would you be up for giving just a short sort of visual description of yourself for anyone who's listening who who might find that helpful? Yeah, absolutely. I am well. I'm I'm wearing very comfortable summery style clothes. I am <laughs> about five eight. I'm a white Wiganer, quite heavily tattooed, with receding hairline. <laughs> Thank you very much. And since the last episode, I'm yeah, I'm still a balding man. <laughs> I've got a stubbly beard. 
uh, today wearing 1.5 magnification uh, reading glasses from the chemist in denial I really need 2.0 wearing a brown stingy brimmed hat and a green check shirt my daughter gave me for birthday about 10 years ago at which point I think it was already decidedly second hand <laughs> so Johnny look I'm a huge fan of the old courts in Wigan and I want to introduce you to our listeners so we're talking about Gerard Winstanley House uh, otherwise known as the old courts which was a huge huge old courts of justice building in the centre of Wigan and you are co-founder along with Becky Davenport and Dave Jenkins and the three of you had a long history previous to the old courts at Eckersley Mill which was rehearsal rooms for bands and musicians and when the old courts I think became available in was it 2014? Yeah. Yeah, that you jumped at it, moving in, I think, with a bunch of tenants that came with you from Eckersley Mill. And so the three of you working with your local community have turned the old courts into a multi-arts centre with visual arts, theatre, dance, spoken word, and unsurprisingly, given your history, music. And the old courts hosts public debates, weddings. It's used by the local community for hundreds of events every year. And as well as galleries, theatres, gig spaces, shared workspace, artist studios, cafes and bars, mini retail spaces for artists. You have a record shop, which I'm very jealous of, a vintage design studio and a charity shop. Indeed, you've got 69,000 square feet of true civic space in the heart of Wigan. And if this wasn't enough, I think it was in 2017, if I'm right, that you spotted an opportunity just two minutes walk up the road from the old courts to get your hands on a derelict grand hotel, which you're in the process of planning the development of. And the idea, I think, is that this 42-bedroom hotel will allow the old courts to expand its provision of artist studio space. You'll provide dedicated workspace and equipment on a membership model for early stage entrepreneurs especially is it right especially those in the digital creative industries yeah absolutely i couldn't have put that description better myself um, i've got a bit more so yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna keep going <laughs> it, it just doesn't stop when it comes to the old courts and the idea is it'll provide in-house accommodation for artists visiting wigan and i think you got support from nesta with a loan to make all that happen and if that isn't enough then in 2018 you bought the Royal Court Theatre in Wigan which is a theatre in which Charlie Chaplin performed it was I think a 3,000 seat theatre and I think it was last used as a theatre as a performance space 40 years ago with the aim of restoring it to its sort of former glory and you've started work on that and you you were helped to buy the theatre with funds from Power to Change And what I love about this story is that I think you bought it in an auction, fending off interest from developers who would no doubt have changed it into something very different. Yeah, so that was a really memorable day. So it was at auction at Bolton Wanderers Stadium. We'd never, well, been to an auction before, certainly hadn't been to a property auction. And we were surrounded by people who clearly just sort of went out to buy a million pounds worth of property or to buy, you know, 10 properties or 50 strips of land. And we just felt totally intimidated. But, you know, we're here now. We're not going to get it. Um, but we'll try anyway, and we'll just get a little bit of experience out of it. So, you know, we started bidding, and somebody was bidding against us. And it was clear that he was looking over at us. He was sizing us up. And we thought either he's going to think these haven't got any money because we didn't fit in, <laughs> in the room, or these are crazy enough that they're just going to keep bumping the price up to make it more expensive for me. Luckily... He only bid a couple of times. We won it, and it was just the most surreal thing. Being shepherded <laughs> through to the next room to sign the paperwork on the theatre we'd just bought, and as a group, we were just trying not to cry. We we were just that happy, that excited, 
um, full range of emotions. It was, yeah, really memorable day. Amazing. Well, congratulations on that purchase. And I've been to the old courts in Wigan because I was lucky enough that you guys were part of a programme we ran in Battersea Arts Centre when I worked there. And I know that your programme of work and what you do is nothing short of absolutely outstanding for freelance artists, for creative businesses, for young people, makers who are members of the Wigan community and for loads of other Wigan residents who you work with so collaboratively on everything you do. You've supported the development of a huge creative ecology in the community in Wigan and you are increasingly admired nationally by arts organisations which are waking up to to what you do. And I And I happen to know, Johnny, that from 2014 in those early days to 2019, over a five-year period, that you received total revenue grant funding from Arts Council England in projects of 53 grand. Yeah. Spread it over five years, that's an average of, of 10 grand a year. Now, that's not to be rude about Arts Council England. It's just to note, I think, what incredible things that with the right leadership and the right intention, a community-serving venue like the Old Courts can achieve and I think just helps us imagine what you would be able to achieve if you just received a little bit more every year from Arts Council and perhaps this is probably a bit cheeky but perhaps just for the sake of completeness we should also note that during the same five-year period when you received the equivalent of just over 10 grand a year as the only major arts centre in Wigan the Royal Opera House in London received over £125 million of revenue funding uh, which is over 25 million a year on average. So, Johnny, tell us, how, how do you do it for 10 grand a year? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the honest answer is when we came into this, we, we, we imagined what the funding landscape was probably like. It won't be for us. So let's, you know, let's not dip our toe in that. We, this is just needs to be about ideas, commitment and graft. A little bit of risk taking, but graft. So that's how we started off. We sort of thought, well, Nobody's going to give us the equipment we need. Nobody's going to come in and decorate it. Nobody's going to basically provide the infrastructure that we need to put on the events that we know we can we can do now. So we just got the keys to the building and we just cracked on. So we took walls down, we put walls up, we scraped paint. The big thing to start off our project was being sympathetic to the building. It's a Victorian building with the original parquet flooring through 90% of it. In the 80s, that had had concrete put over it. Then it had carpet tiles, things like that. And it really was friends and family helping us as well. Us doing 60, 70 hours a week. Some some nights just working right through because we just felt, well, this is the only way to do it. And it, it's really made us stick with our values, really, that nothing comes easy and nothing should come easy. Now, Hopefully that's not what we're going to be doing in the future. We've got teams in place. We've got processes now. We've got that little bit more fluidity, but it absolutely came about with, with just pure graft. And that's amazing. Could you tell me a bit about yours and Dave's and Becky's relationship? Because I, if I understand it, you three at the heart of it, you've been the team that's kind of really led it. And I'd love to know yeah, a little bit more about your working relationship and how that's worked yeah. and how you, how you take on different roles. It'd just be great to hear more about the, the trio. Yeah, sure. So the three of us actually have got some shared qualities, but our backgrounds are just totally different. So I'm a, a drummer. I'm 38 now. I've been a musician since I was 10. Um, I've been in bands, been, you know, had lived a long studio life, uh, performed mm. live on the BBC. That was my lane, really. Yeah. So that was my primary sort of interest for, for this in the first place. Mm. 
Becky's background is creative advertising, sales, these types of massively relevant and really creative but really practical functions that she brings. And Dave's background is plain and simply about numbers and strategy. So if we weren't doing this particular project, there isn't anything I could think of where Dave and I or Becky and Dave or me and Becky or the three of us would actually be compatible yeah, but it just so <laughs> happens, you know, you take one of us out, and there's just yeah. an incredible hole missing. There's a an experience vacuum, if you like, and a skills vacuum. Yeah, but this just, you know, it came at a time when Dave was looking for a little bit of a career change, and in all honesty, Becky and I said to Dave, right, okay, we've got this project about to begin, but slightly daunted. We know what we need to be doing in terms of the events and who to engage. We, we feel like we've got that boxed off, but mm. money's involved. And there's big decisions. We're not scared of them, but we want to take the the correct, bold decisions. So Mm. Dave initially actually came on board to to advise us. We actually asked him for a couple of days of his time. And, you know, six years later, um, we've had, I would say, more than our fair share of uh, of Dave's time. So Dave's, you know, (laughs) from, from the off with us, just became excited by it and so committed to to making it work and making it happen there's nothing like this in Wigan which is great but there was no precedent whatsoever so yeah we just took it on and yeah we're still here that's amazing and tell us about some of the kind of programs you've developed in partnership with local community or local artists or freelancers just give us a flavor of some of the kind of stuff that you do on an ongoing basis at the old course from day one um there was a lot of interest through our friends and people we've we've worked with creatively before and they sort of came to us and said you know it's massive the building what are your plans for it so Mm. we were sort of like well we've got some plans what are your plans for the building so we always had that open door mindset um and that that probably was to our detriment at the beginning because we were trying to do so many things to to make it everybody's project everyone's building yeah that it probably made it 10 times more stressful for us personally than it needed to be but that's that's the way we did things. But in terms of programmes going forward, our music programme has been strong from day one. Um, that's, you know, your, your, your local grassroots music. Yeah. There's a fantastic scene in Wigan anyway, albeit it was slightly dormant around the time we took on the old course, but it was there. We forged really strong collaborations with local artist groups, such as the Cross Street artists who are based elsewhere in Wigan. Yeah. We've just become friends with lots of groups of people and... We've just been, I suppose, trusting in the fact that if you're kind to people, they're kind to you, 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 you trust each other, Yeah, yeah. then opportunities just happen. And we've made the old courts a building where the best art centres for me were no appointment is necessary. That's one of the things I always loved about Battersea Arts yeah. Centre. You just go in and just figure out how you're going to be involved. So it was all about those collaborations with local visual art groups. Um, Wigan Music Service have been fantastic with us. We run a school of rock um, in collaboration with them. And then you sort of take stock after a year or two and think, wow, we actually do have a lot of, you know, official or unofficial partners and co-conspirators in, in the borough. But yeah, music was the strongest element from the off. But if it was just music we wanted to do, we wouldn't have taken on the old courts. We would have, would have got something infinitely smaller. But we always wanted um, to go into visual art, into theatre, which is why the whole CTN journey was just 
a huge catalyst for us. And CTN is the collaborative touring network, so it's a partnership, which I understand now you run. You're running the next... So it used to be run by Battery Arts Centre, and it works with about nine towns and cities and people who are often sort of invading spaces yeah. uh, like you guys did and taking over, actually, which is also the formation of Batsy Art Centre, you know, 1974, when yeah. artists sort of moved in and took took over. And you're now, I think, running that network yeah. around the country. That's right. And the, the other partners on it as well have been a fantastic source of information, support um, and confidence building for us. You know, bear in mind mm. when... When we were first given a place on the CTN, we weren't even entirely sure how to to label someone a producer. What does that entail? And I remember saying to yourself, David, just, you know, feel like we're out of our depth. And you said, you should never, ever say that about yourselves. Always just think, you know, maybe everyone else is, or maybe we're not. And just, <laughs> you know, we're, we're very good at saying, right, okay, what does that mean? We're not sure how mm. to do that, or we're not mm. very good at that. Tell us more and sort of nagging people and pestering people being that inquisitive as has made us learn really quick our, our music game let me go back to that that was that was really strong anyway but you know our theater programming was i would say it was weak but it was virtually non-existent so it's been a really steep learning curve for us and the reason why i said that johnny because i remember that conversation was because from my perspective Exactly what you said a few minutes ago when you invited people in and said, what do you want to do with this space? How can we support you to do what you want to do? And as you said, that creates quite a stressful experience for the kind of people who are running yeah. that community serving venue because you are, you're serving and sometimes that is really uh, stressful and worrisome. But actually, the reason why I said that in terms of opening and running a venue, that is that is what cultural venues should be doing so the idea that you would come to us and sort of feel like oh god we're a bit out of our depth here i suppose i was just trying to say to you man we're out of our depth because you are way ahead of us you are you you know in terms of co-creating and co-curating with local communities you are you are smashing it and i remember when i came up for the first time that palpable sense of shared ownership was something that is so special and you i don't know there is something about a building when you walk inside it I was having a conversation with um, young members of Company 3 the other day and they were talking about walking into big cultural institutions where they instantaneously feel sort of unwelcome. They shouldn't be there. And the moment you walk into Old Courts in Wigan, it feels permissive and it feels you can explore and it feels like every decision then from the tiles to the the decor to the welcome to the programme information on the wall that tells you that that space is an open space. It is yeah. a space that you can come in and you can change. And so that's why I said that to you, because I, you are, you know, you're at top of the ladder in terms of that skill area. And so many other cultural institutions around the country could learn so much from you. Could you talk a bit about how how you feel you've impacted Wigan in relationship to independent artists or freelance artists? I just think it's just got so much better. Um, the problem was prior to having sort of a, a centralised, safe place for, you know, for freelancers who, who can be surrounded by like-minded people who can get work, who are taken seriously. Prior to that, it was almost like, and this is probably true of so many other towns, if you want to do something with this, you want to have a career, just go to London or go as near as you can to London. Yeah. 
and that's that is the theme that we're trying to smash through with with our audience development as well but with freelancers yeah it's not necessarily that they couldn't find any work but by the time they traveled to it it wasn't worth the while because you know they could get a day here and there these types of things but also one of the things that we do well and this is absolutely a dave jenkins thing this is if a freelancer is an incredibly talented individual they yeah. sometimes they tail off and are moving to another sector or you know go work in 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 a job that isn't using their talent to the best of their ability purely because yeah. they don't understand what they need to have in place so an example would be there's a fantastic filmmaker that we know um he's done yeah. a lot of work for and with the old course but he was just totally stressed out and intimidated by bookkeeping, tax returns. He didn't realise yeah. that there were potentially grants available for equipment. And it's sometimes as well, it, it can be the things that freelancers don't particularly want to do as well. They just want to do the thing that excites them, gets the juices flowing and reminds them why they're doing what they do. Yeah. So I think sometimes an arts organisation's role isn't necessarily to just do creative things. It's to make sure that, people can it's to enable creative work and do you still have all your sort of smaller studio spaces in the building that artists use how how does how does that work that is possibly the most flexible element of of everything that we do because we'd be really naive if we said right okay this room this is just random example but this this studio space is 200 quid a month that's how much they are so what we do is we'll, we, we we don't like to do stuff where people will apply about space online and then they get a yes or a no, blah, blah, blah. If possible, we say, well, come in, come and have a coffee with us. And not only will we be able to get to the bottom of what it is you need, you'll see if you like us as well. Our ideal tenants are people who, who are happy with the situation. It's not just space. There's, there's actually cheaper space elsewhere in Wigan, but you're not just getting space when you, you come to the old courts. You're... Yeah. And it is the whole creative ecology that we're trying to, you know, trying to manage. And that genuinely has, has led to so much work with um, a dressmaker, vintage dressmaker who works on site. Mm-hmm. I was looking on Instagram earlier this morning. So the same filmmaker who was just referencing, then he's done a load of photography for her during lockdown of, you know, of her mm-hmm. products and just things like that. It's mm-hmm. And that hasn't got our name on it or anywhere near it. That's people who... Yeah. met through our building going on and just getting on with it you know cracking on with their careers and that's you know that's why we do it and it's probably too much of a detailed question but i'm just intrigued as to if you are an artist then what what are the sorts of rates that you would pay for a space in your building you said it's super flexible yeah. what does that what does that actually mean if you wanted to dress the old court which is you know it's a, a victorian courtroom with all of the original features including you know the judges inkwells it's an incredibly dramatic space you could yeah. you could hire that out for example for a week you could dress that we've even got a, a lady who designs um which basically she themes rooms for any occasion she's got thousands of pounds worth of props we could put you in touch with her and you yeah. can have it for yeah. a week the bbc hired our whole building out for a week to film world on fire oh, wow. so <laughs> you know you're talking these are really high um, yeah. but then we've got down to an artist might come to us and say I had a, a studio at home, it's flooded. I just need somewhere for a couple of days. And we'll say, right, okay, give us a tenner for that. Yeah, yeah. But it's from one extreme to the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. And tell us maybe a bit more about some of the other, you mentioned earlier the School of Rock. Talk maybe a bit about some of the work that you've been doing to build up what I 
witness and experiences an incredible affection uh, between the surrounding community and the old courts. Tell us about yeah. some of some of that work. So what, one of the, the favourite sort of sessions that we have on each week is um, a jammers club. So it actually started off with one or two, one or two gents from from Wigan who were maybe about 60, 70. They, they actually said they didn't want to come to gigs. Gigs were too loud for them. Yeah. Um, work and we just play. So it sort of started off as as off the cuff as that. That's now built to a group every Wednesday of about 35, 40 of them. You come down and they'll, you know, they'll jam. So we, we set up all the equipment for them. We've got them gigs off the back of that. They've got, you know, that's an actual social circle, but it's broken off into other social groups as well. So they don't just see each other for that group. And it's that type of thing, really. And and I think one thing that we've managed to crack that, if I'm honest, some people do sometimes turn their noses up at is a lot of the stuff we do, the action, mm-hmm. and I'm not referring to the jammers in this, but a lot of the work is of okay quality that's produced, mm-hmm. but we couldn't give a monkeys in mm-hmm. some instances because, yes, we, we like to have excellent things happening in our building, and they do. But for us, it always just boils down to like, we, you know, we were typically looking at the jammers as we're walking past and go, how would I feel if that was my dad in there? Or how would I feel yeah. if that was, you know, somebody's auntie? I'd be made up if they were in there getting that support. And again, that's one of the reasons why we do what we do. So so that group is, that that's a really good example. And, you know, we'll quite often see some of those faces at events. And a real mark of success is that they don't know us all. Because when, when we started, there was, you know, one or two or three of us rattling around this enormous building. And, yeah, and yeah. if we heard a door go at the other end of the corridor, it's a bit like, who's in? Type of thing. And we, <laughs> we said that, that needs to not be the case. So, yeah there's, yeah, there's so much been going on in the building for years now. It's just, again, people taking ownership of it. That idea of taking ownership feels like it's a real sort of consistent value that runs through everything that you do. And I'm really intrigued about the fact that in everything that you're describing, it seems like you see yourself as facilitators and supporters and developers and nurturers of other people's ideas. And you've been keen to point out a few times that you say that's not us or that's not old course. And I just think there's an interesting generosity at the heart of that, that that is quite rare in relationship to cultural institutions. I think cultural institutions tend to kind of, if something's going on and it's good and people like it, they sort of want to be, they want, you know, whether they want their name all over it or they want it to, whereas I think there's something about what you do, which is uh, something I admire enormously, which is about providing, yeah, it's literally sometimes physical space or metaphorical space or resources or advice or connections or a, a trajectory or a path and to enable people to come together. And I, you said right at the beginning of this conversation about people in Wigan thinking that, you know, maybe culture wasn't something that they um, would connect with or engage with. Do you feel you've seen a shift in yeah. that in terms of the time that the old courts has been open? Seriously, if if you'd surveyed a large number of people and just said, you know, be totally truthful, what is arts and culture? I think the common thread would have been Shakespeare, the word posh, and the yeah. sentiment of, of not for us. I did some youth group sessions at, at the um, at our last building at Eckersley Mill with um, some kids who had been excluded from school or they were they had the threat of, of, of expulsion. It was with a fantastic poet called Mike Gary from Manchester. Mm. And the kids, one of them said something, I thought, wow, that is the most poignant thing. 
he said, um, like, culture doesn't happen in Wigan. We've only got, like, Northern Soul and Wigan Pier. <laughs> and I thought, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that, that's that's kind of the mindset. And it's just, I think our, yeah. our initial job was to just hold a mirror up to the people yeah, of Wigan yeah, yeah, and say, yeah. Do you know what? Well, what, what is yeah. culture? And if we if we haven't got it here, what well, what on earth is it? So, yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, there's there's definitely been a, a a crazy sort of tempo change for not just the the amount of cultural activity, but the appetite for it. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. when we started, it was sort of can we get anyone through the door? And don't get me wrong, I think all, all art centres still have those. You know those uh, really stressful events, don't they? Where you, you the work is great, but people don't get it, or you know, yeah. yeah. But we we now have an influx of of Wiganers who say to us, "What about this? Have you thought about this?" Or you know, my friend was in Leeds at the weekend and they saw this. Have you have you thought about this? And it's just that yeah. thing about people. It's it's ownership, isn't it? So people hundred yeah. percent um, feel compelled to to bring ideas to us, and as well something that. Uh, it just makes me absolutely beam with pride is we sometimes see on social media people have tagged us on an idea and they go oh the old courts will we'll do that or you know mention mm-hmm. it to the old courts and it's yeah. brilliant because I'm not the old courts neither is mm-hmm. Becky neither is Dave neither is mm-hmm. Michelle neither is Derek you know all of our staff they aren't the old courts the old courts is it's an idea really isn't it yeah. yes it's it's bricks and mortar but it's just it it is an idea, and it's. I know that sounds ridiculously vague and and idealistic, but but it is. It's it's a way of thinking, I suppose. The old courts is just. It's an old court building, so we called it that. But it's it's just trying to be positive in in your locality. That's the same for for Wigan. It's the same for Hull. It's the same for Thanet. And yeah. you know these are some of the partners we've worked with on the collaborative touring network and. It's not just a Wigan thing. We, you know, our problems or our negative um, perceptions of our hometown—they've they, just got a Wigan accent. That's the only difference, you know. <laughs> I mean, I think I so agree with what you're saying, and I think that the idea of the old courts is is partly, surely, the idea of of people being able to and feeling like they are welcome to and feeling like they are encouraged to and feeling just like that it is natural to connect with one another. I always remember there was this piece of research that was done at the West Yorkshire Playhouse, which is now the Leeds Playhouse, and it was done, this is a long time ago, it must be like 15 years ago, maybe something something like that. And they had a big housing estate uh, in the ro- on the road opposite the West Yorkshire Playhouse. And it was noted always that there was very few people who would come from that housing estate to the playhouse. And, you know, whatever they offered, whatever tickets they offered, special offers, this, that, and the other people didn't come. And um, they did a project, which was basically, I can't remember what it was called, but basically they did a project where they they got staff members to go across the road and knock on people's doors and say, hi, I'm, you know, I'm David, I work in... Uh, West Yorkshire Playhouse across the road and I just yeah wondered if you've ever been and what you think of it and whether you'd ever come and also I just wanted to say hi and and the and the part of the conversation was that it was always about inviting people to go and meet them if they fancied it for a cup of tea or whenever if they ever fancied going over and this project basically kind of shifted the perception within that housing estate of the 
Playhouse because suddenly it became about this opportunity to connect. It didn't come, it wasn't about this opportunity to see something experimental <laughs> or see or, yeah. you know, or even to go out for a night out. It was actually simply an invitation to connect. Yeah. It was an invitation to, to to connect with another human being and also to know someone. It just reminded me of it when you were talking about the guys who played the music in their 60s and 70s and then I, I, I kind of recognise those sorts of guys from Battersea yeah. in terms of people who would get to know the building for one reason, but then would actually, you'd find them then going and seeing all sorts of different stuff. Um, uh, not because they were f- fans of experimental <laughs> theatre or fans of this or yeah. that, it's, but because it was the old, because it was the old courts, because yeah. it was Battersea Arts Centre, because it was a, because they, they had built a set of connections there that, exactly what you said johnny it's ownership they yeah. felt a sense of ownership which was therefore that this thing that was being put on was theirs yes. because they they own the place yes. it's their gaff and it's just something about that that i think you know and they might like what they see or hate what they see they'll always be vocal about what they see and they'll yeah. always talk about it but it just that that thing of ownership is something that cultural institutions in this country is i think are so bad at it's amazing yeah. to me that that report happened 15 years ago at West Yorkshire Playhouse, which seemed to me to be like a kind of profoundly brilliant and obvious thing. This is what we need to be doing. And yet we're still focusing on on kind of marketing and offers yeah. and wondering, wrestling with well, how do we get those people in and yeah. how do we, well, just make them feel like they own the building. Yeah, just, just be kind to people. I mean, we've employed that from day one. Um, and because we're nice to people, people, in terms of audience development, people give us various chances so you know when when we we put our first theater events on we put a couple of shows on and they were really good but nobody turned up and people like oh it's it's just just a theater place now isn't it it's like well no that's that's something we're trying to well go go on you're being critical what do you like what what would you like to see it's really difficult when you're starting off to to show people what an art center even is when you don't fully understand what yours is going to be Anyway, but it was that little thing about putting our arm around people and saying, "Well, come on, let's let's come up with the idea together. Bring yeah. your band, bring your event, or you know, bring your theatre show. Come and you know, come and develop your work here." And again, yeah. it's just the open door policy. But because people care about the old courts, they, they give us a lot more slack because we do listen to feedback. We 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 listen to everything that people say, and we filter that down in, into actions. And mm-hmm. as a result. Mm-hmm to a large degree a lot of the things that we do really well is because people have told us what needed to change if you don't take that on board then us personally we just have a massive victorian building with nobody in it <laughs> yes i remember that um yeah so covid what what has happened what what have you guys been doing have you been doing nothing so what we've done is the digital editions which is the old courts online so a little bit like these podcasts, really. It's it's relying on on remote technology, but the end, the end product is we've we've actually paid for three hundred and forty three artists to perform during lockdown, from wow. anything ranging from the nan's house where they were quarantined to outside because it's the only place the phone could get a signal. Just yeah, any, any conceivable difficulty or you know quirk, if you like, we've yeah. had them 
We've got a big creative writing and unspoken word scene in Wigan. And I feel like that's a discipline that, that's really prevalent in, in a lot of towns. It's mm. the same in Wigan. So we've decided to self-publish a book online. We've created um, a link on our, our website for a short period of time where anybody can submit the work. Mm. And literally the brief was, like, how do you feel at the moment? So mm. we didn't want to go too sort of COVID specific. Yeah, We've, we've had 177 submissions they're all um going into the to the mm. piece of work by the way but we've been through them all and we've identified at least 60 of those who will be new published writers as a result of this work so things like that it's just yeah. we thought all right okay so we can't do what is our bread and butter let's let's skill ourselves up at doing something else and in addition to that we've uh, been running a welfare program that's taken up an enormous amount of time but and i wrote this down because if i got these statistics wrong i would be in trouble <laughs> so we've um our volunteers have delivered 800 or just over 800 food parcels so far wow. um and we've handled 550 welfare or loneliness calls our, our volunteers have been overseeing a welfare service if you like that was set yeah. up in conjunction with Wigan Council. So basically, if somebody somebody's lonely, somebody's running out of food, and, and bearing in mind this was this was when it, people couldn't go out very easily. Yeah. You know, yeah, it was like, yeah. like Uber lockdown type of thing. Yeah. So somebody might ring up to Wigan Council on the number that they gave and said, okay, um, I'm, I'm really lonely, can't get in touch with my son, this type of thing. I'm elderly, I just need somebody to talk to. So all of these calls came through to us and we right. handled all of these. So... We, we built a uh, a program in, on our internal computer system that, that we use for everything we do at the old courts. So right. that scheduled callbacks, it logged information and our volunteers would put in, you know, notes about the individual. So if that person had been scheduled for another call, if it wasn't that same person, they could look on and go, all right, okay, so actually this gent's really hard of hearing or, or this yeah. lady is, she, she doesn't like calls in late at night or, you know, mm-hmm. and we thought it was going really yeah. well. And it was, and um, and I only realised quite how well. I'm a massive Everton fan, and I really follow Everton in the community, which is an award-winning community initiative. Fantastic. Yeah. I saw a, a, an article written by Denise Barrett Baxendale, who's the the CEO of Everton, and she was um, she was hitting out some stats of what they'd done with food parcels and welfare mm. calls, and I was absolutely astonished. We'd done more than a Premier yeah. League football club. <laughs> So I fed that back to our staff and I said, you know, just want to make you aware that everybody's efforts are fantastic and crucial, but just this is the level that you're operating yeah. at. And yeah. I personally haven't taken a single one of those calls. I haven't done a single one of those parcels. So, you know, the credit absolutely yeah. goes to, to our volunteers. Yeah. But I just thought, you know, this isn't anything whatsoever to do with visual art, with music, theatre, but this is our value mm. for this period. And we've decided we're going to, in, in some form or other, we're going to keep that going mm. indefinitely, you know, as, as long as it's feasible, you know, well into next year, hopefully. And I think that's one of the things that we do well. It might not be the things that you envisage you'd be doing when you founded an art centre, mm. but it, who's to say that's of, of less importance in, in any way, shape or form? And it's galvanising yeah. our community. Actually, that endears all those people to us anyway. So, you mm. know... Mm. 
it's a win-win for all involved on both sides of that phone call. And our volunteers were, were you know, totally happy to do it and got the biggest sense of achievement from it. Do you remember how it started? Because everything you're saying makes 100% sense. And it completely like others that have other organisations and cultural organisations and artists that have been doing this. It feels like a continuation of actually, it, it, as you say, it's different, but it is also the same. It's yeah. different in that it's not putting on gigs. It's not yeah. hosting people together. It's not creating culture in an obvious way, but actually it is creating culture in that it's creating connections yeah. and relationships and it's finding ways to connect people just in it's just a different context as you say yeah absolutely. what was it that made you guys go we need to do this or was it a conversation with the council or was it a sense that you were missing people yeah. or people were missing you what how did it become about it was a bit of conversations with the council we, we've got a fantastic relationship with Wigan council yeah um the things that that they can do to enable culture they do the things that they need not to do to enable yeah. culture they also do so we're in constant dialogue with you know various yeah. people at council for various reasons yeah. that and this is probably the part of of this podcast that's going to sound the most corporate customer service to us yeah. is absolutely everything yeah. um and it it just blows our minds how negligent people are with customer service in all yeah. walks of life. We, I am astounded on a daily basis. Hasn't happened today yet, but it's early. Where just people <laughs> people don't value personal interactions with people and yeah. personal, even if it's online. So for us, it's always been about customer service, and this mm. just felt like a really mm. urgent mm. extension of our customer service, mm. you know, values, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and besides that. Our staff who, who have been manning the, the phones just thought, do you know what? Well, we're at home. You know, we're frustrated as hell that we're not at the old courts working. Um, I want to volunteer for this. So some of them volunteered for it. We've had 80-odd mm. volunteers externally. And it's just mm. these people just wanted to put back and, mm. you know, all power to them. And that's been, you know, we've had the full range of yeah. demographic of people. There's actually people who you could argue are are isolated and and have probably had welfare calls. They've come back and said, that was amazing. I got so mm. much use out of that, and that's actually spurred me on. Who can I help? And that's yeah, job yeah, done, yeah. isn't it? It's amazing. And your, your value around customer service is so bang on in terms of what you feel when you come into the, the old courts because i i feel i've been banging on about community serving venues and actually yeah. the consistent thing there is service is yeah. this idea that we are you know we are at service it is our role to serve yeah. to support but i've often felt in conversations with people's in the cultural sector that somehow people sometimes slightly turn their nose up at that yeah. idea or that they feel that actually somehow you, you know it's not about service it's about creating great art that will inspire and yeah. will you know amaze people well yeah of course it's about that but actually if in order to do that you have to be in service as a space as a yeah. venue as an ecology as a community of people there is an element of being in service and go back to your earlier word to about being kind yeah it feels like the what you've done during this period of time yeah it feels yeah as you say maybe a different kind of activity but also an entirely and totally natural extension of what you've done yeah. really interesting to hear that you're thinking of continuing it into next year 
that service as is might actually be required, you know, because of the, the yeah. current situation. It might yeah, still yeah, yeah. actually be required then. But, you know, hypothetically saying it isn't, how else can we use that? And we've we spent a lot of time and money really trying to to get into our customers' minds to think, how can we do this better? Picking up the phone and speaking to people. Mm. You know, not mm. many sort of directors from an art centre, I would guess, are going to say, right, let's spend our time cold calling people for their opinions because that's just going to be, you know, nigh yeah. on pointless. But it's about finding another little way. If, is there another yeah. Is there another way? How can we get more FaceTime with people? Yeah. And do you know what? That actually just makes, for, we think, makes the job nicer as well. You know, when you were saying about service, I think some people are slightly uncomfortable with that word being mm. attached to themselves. And I think that's an ego thing. Um, yeah. And it is, you know, it's this whole elitist mentality. Mm. Um, and that that's one of the big things that when we entered all of, you know, the, this this world of arts and, and culture, we, we were really intimidated going into lots mm. of places. Um, and we didn't feel like we could just be honest and vulnerable in our questioning yeah. And the moment you find someone else in, in another arts organisation or a show or whatever it is who actually has walked a bit of the walk and you can start picking at them and, and mm. they're receptive to that, that is just the most liberating thing mm-hmm. because you think, do you know what? I didn't know that. Or do you know what? Mm. I did know that. And yeah. sure, <laughs> may, maybe I'm actually quite good at this. And that's, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's confidence, isn't it? But you've, you've got to be humble doing this. Everyone's learning. I haven't met anybody in this sector yet who uh dave mutry for example lovely yeah. guy and yeah. he was just ceo I, of home of home in manchester he just sort of said to me i had a i met him at the old rep in birmingham um and i had 20 minute conversation with him and that 20 minutes was amazing cpd for me it's not always easy to to put yourself in those positions because you don't you don't know everybody yet although you know it's a small world it's a small sector that's another reason you should be kind to people but I literally you know like I say I've learned more in that 20 minute conversation with with one person yeah, yeah. be kind yeah. to people when you look back at the at the journey which I've heard you humbly say as well that you're still at the beginning of but actually what you have achieved in the last six years I just think and I think what you have achieved also during this god-awful COVID-19 situation is just incredible and so many parts of the cultural sector have so much to learn from your approach and your values and the way you're going about it but in terms of having gone on that journey and having unlocked the old courts and gone in there and opened it up and created relationships and built a community of artists and creatives and built a a community around the old courts what could the cultural sector do differently to mean that there are more old courts in more towns around this country what are some of the issues within the way the cultural sector is organized or funded or structured that would have made things much more encouraging, kind and supportive yeah. for, for you? Well, for me, it's 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 quite quite simple, isn't it? You know, when I, I speak to people in towns, I feel, you know, like similar to Wigan, who've maybe been doing this a lot longer than us, as a lot of people have, they've historically struggled to get support. That's a culture that I feel is starting to change the narrative has definitely changed. It's London in particular. It's a metropolis of, of opportunity for 
for a Wigan are going down, who's mm. some of the facilities, just some of the, the really basic things yeah. that lots of small towns don't seem to have. The flip side of that is as well, the ambition of people in, in small towns needs to change. But I suppose that's partly through knowledge of what opportunities are available but stating the absolute obvious there's talent everywhere in every single part of of every single town across the world but just i think what would be a really good leap forward in, in solving this problem would be just a couple more sort of places like the old courts where they've done it with nothing to start off i think that's yeah. a good lesson that resonates locally as well because it is like this stereotypical Wigan thing it's just graft you know you get nothing yeah. if you don't work hard and that's true yeah. but you know, there's a balance to be had but I think things that really help are really edgy overtly working class groups of artists so Young Identity Manchester brilliant group of poets and their stuff is just mind-blowingly good but they are we're from Manchester and you know yeah. they don't curb their accents as well I and other people have been guilty of that. Sometimes you think, oh, oh God, how should I talk in, in this room? Well, talk as you do. And just be confident of who you are and realise that the culture, you know, culture doesn't happen in Wigan. We've only got this, we've only got that. That's Wigan culture type of thing. And it, it is this mm-hmm. whole notion of holding a mirror up to your town and thinking out, not how can we be more like this other town? What is it that makes us stand out? And let's absolutely ram that down people's throats. And it's just, just being edgy. Um, but I, I, I do think you know the um, how how funding is split up. That that's, you know, it's just so so unevenly spread. But a testament to the places that don't have the funding is the, it's a, you know it's a life or death struggle, but they are finding a way. So you know it's this thing about you know what we say. Imagine what we could do if we had this. I just think and maybe it's an maybe it's an unfair question, but what is this? You know, what is a what does the old courts aspire to have every year? As you know, at the moment you're doing everything that you do yeah. through hard work and through scraping together bits of project funding yeah. or bits of investment or loans from other people, as we talked about yeah. earlier. But what would make a difference? You know, in terms of being really able to both sustain what you're doing but also really kind of enrich it and grow it the answer is it's loads of different things i think i I don't even know why we started the old courts in the first place at the time knowing what we knew then i think we must have been drinking at the time when we made that decision (laughs) because you know the the journey we've been on we it's just it it was it just constantly up against it but that galvanized us to think well no We'll show them. I don't know who Omar, but we'll show them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now for us personally, we're just getting, you know, we, we know lots more organisations. We know a lot more about the funding landscape. Um, you know, we're, we're getting we're getting invited to do things like this. So, mm. you know, we're, you know, getting a platform to, to get our ideas out. It's just a slow burning process, isn't it? We play catch up a lot. It's telling, Johnny, that I ask you a question about what would make a real difference to the old courts. You know, what's the sort of amount of money each year that 
you know, would, would really help yeah. and support. And actually your answer is to talk about hard graft yeah. and to talk about the work that you've done and to talk about the fact that you have done everything for very little yeah. and to talk about that in the most sort of extraordinarily humble way. I can tell you that I sit, I have sat in the past in rooms with artistic directors or chief execs or executive directors of other venues, and they are so fast to talk about the money. Yeah. They will tell you so quickly how much they need and you know what difference that will make. And I just think it's really interesting for us as a sector to reflect on the fact that there is an organisation like the All Courts in Wigan doing what I think is the most... I mean, I first time I walked around your building, I cried because it was just... I just felt it was the most extraordinary, incredible set of achievements that were happening in, like in, every, in every room. And, and your organisation is, a, I think, is a testament to what a community-serving venue can do. And again, I'm not saying this to knock the Arts Council, but it is not receiving core support. Yeah. So there's some sort of... The fix we need within the cultural sector yeah. that somehow somebody at the Arts Council of England, Wales, Creative Scotland, Northern yeah. Ireland needs to make a big change to enable that people like you and what you're doing and towns like Wigan are much better supported. If you ask me one single thing that has been the key to our success, whatever our success is so far, mm. it, it is being careful with things you know we make some big risky bold decisions but we think about everything and yeah. you know down to the penny you know make do amend was our sort of rmo for the first few few years of our existence and you know if, if we waited around for 100 grand for a big touring rig before we put a gig on we yeah we would have gone and done something else because it wasn't happening we we do what we can with the resources that, that we've currently got um but yeah you know hopefully when that that changes hopefully we can make a bigger mark and put you know put Wigan on the map but put art centres from from the UK on the map it, this isn't just you know we're not on a, on a Wigan crusade we just happen to be Wiganers <laughs> Johnny that's amazing I mean if you're doing what you do right now with the old courts with your plans for the Grand Hotel with what you're doing, I mean, walking into an auction house and buying the Royal Court <laughs> Theatre, and you're all doing that with basically no investment from our core arts funder, what you could achieve if you had £500,000 a year as core support, yeah. I, God only knows. But thank you so much for this conversation. I just think it's been completely inspiring to hear what you've been doing, and particularly during this period of time during COVID. So thanks, man. Thanks for the conversation. Thanks for the invite. I really appreciate it. Always great to speak to you. And yeah, thanks for the opportunity to get my thoughts out. Nice one. Cheers. Johnny, that's ama- it's properly amazing. I feel really emotional. Oh, me too. I, I, yeah, it's just <laughs> incredible. You're, you know, I just... From that first time, I was lucky enough to get the opportunity to... We hope you enjoyed this sixth and final episode of Culture Plan B. Big thanks to Johnny for sharing the Old Court's inspiring story. To find out more, just visit www.theoldcourts.com and do check out their plans for the Grand Hotel, for Wigan's Royal Court Theatre and now the Wigan Pier. You can contact us at cultureplanb at cultureplanb at gmail.com and do follow us on Instagram or Twitter for follow-up on this series. We would love to hear from you about what you've made of Culture Plan B and tell us what you think we should do next. There's been some great ideas for guest episodes, so we hope some of these will follow soon. 
This episode was researched and presented by David Jubb. The editors and sound mixers are Ian Dickinson and George Dennis. The music is from Don't Tell Me by Conrad Murray with Kate and Nate from BAC's Beatbox Academy. Communication support from Antonia Goddard with thanks to David Bellwood for helping us to make this series more inclusive and accessible. And in addition to David, big thanks to our transcribers for the episode so far, Hannah Gibbs, Julie Osman and Kate Donachey. Original artwork by John Borster and the producer and creator is Matthew Dunster. Don't tell me how to don't tell me how to speak. Don't tell me how to love. Don't tell me how to fix. Don't tell me how to just. Don't tell me how to miss. Don't tell me how to fix. Don't tell me how to just. Don't tell me how to fix. It will be okay if we agree to disagree. It'll be okay.